Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast. We are moving on to the second part of our pre-season review, taking a look at our rivals and seeing how the Reds square up against them. Um, and so, again, we're just going to get straight into it. I have got Neil Patterson out in Berlin at still at the moment. Um, and I've got Johnny Henderson in Belfast. Johnny? Yes, greetings. Greetings, greetings, boys. So, so let's let's just get straight into it. Um, we're going to take a look at Manchester United. We're going to take a look at Chelsea. We're going to take a look at the Reds. So let's just kick off with United, Chief. Um, they have done a bit of business in the transfer window. They spent a bit of money, which is quite unlike them um, with regards to the Glazers, given that when they qualify for the Champions League, they really put their hands in their pockets. But They've went out to spend seventy-five million on Jaden Sancho. They went out to spend, I don't know, was it forty-five or something on Rafa Varane? And they're they're two players that are going to make them better, aren't they? Well, yeah, you would think so. You would think so, absolutely. Um, Jaden Sancho is obviously a, a much sought-after player and and somebody that um, certainly a lot of Liverpool fans were were hoping that. Um, we might get uh, um, the chance to, to maybe see at Anfield uh, playing for Liverpool. Uh, that's not going to happen now, and so he's he's basically dead to me. Um, but yeah, he's going to make them better. I, I would say um, Varane as well at forty five million. Um, not that much, really, is it? Um, you'd I mean a couple of years ago, you you you've been thinking that. Yeah. Would, that would be much higher. He's a year. He's a year left in his contract. So, um, so I mean, that's, that's like a decent top price. Fee. It is. It's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a very good fee for a very good centre half. Yeah, and he, and he, 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 he very much looks the part, and uh, he's always been impressive when I've seen him play. It'll be interesting to see if he, you know, how he adapts to playing in the Premier League. Um. Obviously, come from Spain and, and being so used to and being so used to um, that way of playing um, La Liga, playing at Real Madrid, playing at the best, one of the best teams there. Um, not really coming under that much pressure week in week out. It's going to be interesting to see how he slots in. There'll probably be an acclimatization period, like. Um, but certainly you would think he's going to make their, well, he's going to strengthen their options, isn't he, across uh, across the back line in that centre-back position. So, Harry Maguire, um, has, you know, he has his detractors and he has his, he has his, um, his followers as well, for want of a better word, his, his um, people who praise him. And he's done pretty well, I suppose, for them. But, um, you know, having somebody else there as well, um, they haven't always necessarily been convincing at centre back. The the parents that they've um, that they've used there haven't always necessarily worked at times. Um, so yeah, it's a good price. It's uh, he's he's a good player, but it'll be interesting to see whether or how quickly he can adapt. Or whether he needs to, you know, whether he really needs to adapt, maybe he'll come in and, and hit the ground running. But yeah, they, they'll be stronger. Um, so 
we'll see. Yeah, Johnny, it's they are they're listen. If you want to take Canada out of it, they're probably two signings that we would have liked to make, and our fan base, well, let's say certain sections of our fan base would maybe be slightly less pessimistic now had we done that business. Um, so you can't take that away from them. They're too sensible um, recruits um, in areas of the pits that they probably needed strengthened in, in the right-hand side of attack and at centre-half. But you would say that there's probably still gaps in that squad, um, certainly in the midfield area. I think a lot of United fans, they, they're not convinced with the Fred and McTominay pairing. Um, Van de Beek hasn't been able to come in and command any sort of confidence or trust from the manager at all, um, which for me seems absolutely bizarre. And Maric, as good as a player as he has been and was, is probably not the player that, well, he's certainly not the player he was five, ten years ago, but um, a lot of Manchester United fans seem extraordinarily upset anytime he walks onto the pitch. Um, yeah. and, uh, and and Pogba, you know, do, do, do we, you know, we're, put it this way, I think we're four years into his, four year, four foot seasons into his United, um, United career, and, and there's still massive question marks on him. So you'd think that they probably need some strengthening in that area, and we're not really sure if that's going to happen or not, but it, would you agree that that's a weak point and they're still a way off being the perfect side. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I I think they're. I, I do think the the signings they've made are good signings for them. Definitely, they. I I don't. I'm not the biggest fan in the world of Harry Maguire. They spent crazy money on him. Um, he had a good Euros. He's a decent centre-back. He's still prone to, I think, at the very top level, very top players will will find him out. Um, it's funny. But, I think he's somewhere in between he's somewhere in between Van Dijk and Lovren, isn't he? Where he can yeah. look really good, but he can also do like r- yeah. ridiculously mental things that cost his team dearly. Yeah, he is. He's, he would sort of, in terms of ability, that's where you'd grade him. He's definitely, for me, a better player than Lovren. Um but but yeah, he's, he's he's a big big way off someone like Van Dyke. But 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 they paid big money and he was clearly better than what they had there. But there's always been that question mark in the in the center of the defense alongside him because Bailly looked good for a while, but then he's always got injured. Lindelof, you know, from watching them from United fans' perspective, he's just prone to doing stupid things as well and bad decision making, bad positioning. So there's no doubt that, you know, Varane is is a very, very, you know, high pedigree player. Played at Real Madrid. Um good, you know, good positionally, reads the game well. Um experienced play you know, played at the highest levels, won Champions League. So it, it definitely makes them better at centre-back. I mean, will, he, will the two of them click form a good partnership? And you wouldn't see any reason why not. Um, and I do think, you know, solid-wise, like, Asaka is a solid right-back, very good defensively. Shaw had a brilliant Euros. You know, in fairness to Shaw, he was one of... He, he definitely was one of the better um, 
fullbacks. You know, he's, he's probably benefiting from not playing under managers that tell him that he's shit and fat all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. You know, he did look very good at Southampton, but he looked, you know, in, in an excellent Euros. He scored the goal in the final, um, and he he he's, he's he's good on the ball and stuff. So you look at their back four, and I think I, I think the problem for United and, and Sancho's a really good sign, and I don't think Sancho was essential. But I think Sancho for them, I think Sancho's he's a he's a super super player. He's he's brilliant. You know his numbers at Dortmund show you that he's skillful. He's pacey. He's all his movements fantastic. Um, I just look at United and think, did they really need a young pacey forward? You know, you look at is he going to play on the right where sort of Greenwood was starting to look really good. Will Cavani play more? Rashford's out until October, I think. So, you know, you might see Sancho play off the left with with Rashford not being there. And Sancho, by all accounts, anytime I watched him in the Bundesliga, I thought he looked better off that side, off the left. Um, I don't know if that, you, you know, will, will, will be the plan they have. I think you're right. I mean... You know, Fernandez had a terrible Euros. He was anonymous, but he's one of these players that at United they wait on him to do everything, and he's the one that usually has to step up and do something. And he seems to thrive on that at United, whereas at Portugal it didn't feel like he was he he was the key man, so to speak. So he didn't look anywhere near as you know influential. But but you're right. I mean, there there I think for me there's two big problems for United having a title challenge. It's their it's their centre midfield, and it's the guy on the touchline, um, and the guy on the touchline is a really big problem for them because they've some of their fan base have this loyalty to him because of what he's done as a player, but ultimately, there's an accusation of Solskjaer that he he sets them up to be you know when they play he's got some really really good results even against the likes of City in the big games, um where it sets you know they sit back. They're quite defensive. They hit in the break. They can do that. But one of the things that you sort of associate with 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 Liverpool, with City, who've been the best two teams, you know, over the last three or four years, they've been the most impressive teams. Um, is real patterns of play and real good coaching, and if there's proper structure to how they attack and build attacks, you never get that. I don't know what you, Dave, but I don't ever get that. When I'm watching United, it always feels off the cuff, like it's give it to Bruno and do something. They're not as well coached, and given their problems in the centre of the park as well, you know, Matic, as you say, his legs are gone. No, he's not a he. You know, it's Fred and McTominay. United fans, a lot of them are really, you know, Fred divides a lot of opinion. Pogba's still agitating. Looks like he's not settled there, um, and I, you just couldn't see that being a base. So I think they were lucky last season to finish. Second, I, I don't think they finish above us this season, and it's not because, um, and it's not because of, um, you know, them not doing the right things in in the market. I think they probably have. I just think that we that that our starting eleven is still a lot stronger than theirs, and we've got an infinitely better manager uh, as well. But but they'll be you know United in my opinion they'll finish fourth I think they'll be fourth um, but and they've done good business but there's still there's still problems there Centre Park and manager for me or their Achilles heel 
Okay, Chief, you know, I know you enjoy talking about the manager. Um, and Johnny makes a really interesting point. Obvious but interesting on the Fernandez situation where he is he is their talisman. A lot of responsibilities put in his shoulders. He he thrives on that and it's why he looked such a good player. But that points to probably a lack of tactical acumen from the guy in the dugout, um, where it is a little bit focused into one player to dictate their entire attacking plan. And I think what's interesting for me is we saw during the Euros um, that the two teams that probably looked the best and performed the best um, in Italy and Spain were teams that had elite managers at the helm. Yes, England did well, but I, I think we can all agree they weren't the best to watch. They, they kind of fumbled their way through the tournament with uh, at the expense of fairly inadequate opposition. And if you look at what would be deemed the top four, certainly in terms of financial power in Chelsea, City, Liverpool and United, what's at their disposal in terms of players? You might not be able to pick necessarily between the four sides, but there's certainly a massive gulf in class between Solskjaer and, and the managers at the three other clubs. Yeah, I mean there's there's no doubt about that. Like he's done he's he's done well in the sense that he's he's done better than than I thought he would. Um there was a point I think in his first full season where it looked like they could finish bottom half quite feasibly. And, you know, things things have turned around quite dramatically post-lockdown. Um, really, for, for Solskjaer's Man United, it's been quite a dramatic improvement. Um, if you go back and look, uh, I think they were they were languishing, certainly, in the first half of the um of the of the lockdown season the the our title winning season um yeah i think there's a period chief where they i think they they win something like 13 games in a row and their away form is really good and there was a game at crystal palace where i think they're 2-0 down and they win 3-2 and they kind of turned the corner there but you know we'll go on that's yeah i mean they were they i mean they they they've turned things around as I said, quite quite dramatically. If you if you go from from um, the when everything situation pre COVID to bam the lockdown and coming back, things the trajectories been different. Their points per game has been been much different. Obviously, a couple of signs have helped. Bruno Fernandez has been aforementioned, and yeah, you know the the idea that he runs the show, which he he tends to when you watch them at all. I, I don't watch much of them, but when you see them, he's he's their main man and he's he scores all the goals, whether they're from the spot or just outside the box from free kicks. <laughs> but he, um, uh, no, it's just a wee dig. But no, he he's he's very much their their playmaker, and maybe it does suggest that there's not much um, tactical acumen necessarily with with Solskjaer, but. What what Solskjaer has managed to do is stamp his in his own way his his kind of um, 
brand on them. And it's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a nearly brand. It, it's kind of a, but but it's it's stubborn. They're almost doing better. They're, he's done better than, than I think a lot of people have expected him to do. Having said that, he's still not doing well enough, given the players that he has at his disposal, given the fact that it's Manchester United, given the fact that he's expected to deliver not just second place in the Premier League, running at less than two points per game, but actually he's supposed to, to get deep in the Champions League and um, and the domestic cup competitions as well. You know, uh, historically United have, have delivered a no. So, you know, they've, they've gone out and spent a lot of money on on Sancho and, you know, Johnny's right to point out that it's not a position they, they needed necessarily to strengthen in. They, they weren't lacking. They aren't lacking in, in forward positions necessarily. Um, but they have done it. And he is, he's a fabulous, fabulous talent. Can Ole Gunnar Solskjaer get the best out of him? I, I, I don't know. I doubt it. Maybe. I mean, Solskjaer also played up front and scored a lot of goals and, you know, uh, quite different player, obviously, to, to Sancho, but maybe he can impart some some wisdom and maybe he can get the best out of him. But, um, you know, you, this if you, you if the person wielding the knife isn't skilled, it doesn't really matter how sharp the blade is, essentially. So, um, so we'll see, but he's managed to muddle through with, or get through, maybe it's just bias and muddle through, but he's managed to get through on whatever he's managed to get through on, whether that is a lack of tactical acumen and just, just hoping that the players will go out and do it, or whether he's there's much more to him than, than we give him credit for. Um, he has managed to get them to second place, um, albeit, as I said, with less than two points per game. But if you compare him to a Klopp or a Tuchel or a Guardiola, of course, I mean, the, you know, the, they're not comparable as, as managers. You just look at the CVs and that's enough said, no matter who would like to take issue with that. He's, he can't be really talked about in the same breath um, and won't be after this kind of particular moment in history changes, shall we say, and one of them, one of them moves on. So, so yeah, um, it is a big, it is a big weak point. How are you going to, compete with teams who have players who are as good when, when, when you've got a manager that's clearly not in, in the top bracket. Um, that's a question they have to answer, but by giving them that sort of two year extension, I don't really know how he can, I don't really know how he, how, how he can get sacked. Um, as long as he punches and stays in the top four and they don't, they don't fall off a cliff. I don't know where the you know where that moment comes where you know they they say they've had enough. Um, Chief, so I, Chief, do you know what do you know what? It's a good point that because I I think about it and I don't think you're you're quite right from the Glazers' perspective. He's a safe pair of hands. He never criticizes them. He's he's very much. I think he knows he's very lucky to be managing Man United. Uh, Solskjaer knows that if he was to leave Man United in the morning. There wouldn't be an elite club in Europe looking to get him, unlike Tuchel, Klopp, or Guardiola, where there'd be an absolute scramble. Um, so that you're right, the Glazers, as long as he ticks along, 
But the interesting thing for me is they've really backed him. He, I think he's spent nearly four hundred million now, um, and he, so he's been heavily backed. And he's got Varane and Sancho in. Expectations there are very high, and I think this might actually be a season where they sort of stutter a wee bit and get a few bad results early on, maybe when Varane's settling in. And if, say, Liverpool and City set a you know a quick pace at the top of the table and, start, and Chelsea and start to string a few wins together, um, I could see a space where he he could come under pressure from their supporters base. You know, if they're not in contention for the league and completely out of it at Christmas, I I think their fans will, it could turn on him very, very quickly. I don't know what you think about that. That's just a feeling I have. I don't think the Glazers necessarily would, um, but, but, but I could see that happening because they're sort of like, you've been backed, you finished second, it's now, it's now time to push on and compete for the title. And I really don't think they're ready to compete for the title properly, but... I don't know what you think of that. That's just, uh, I have a funny feeling about, you know, this season. That's an interesting point because, because you're, you're right, like, I mean, when, when you finish second, um, your, ne- your next instinct is to go right, right. Next season's the one then. We get ourselves back up there. And I don't think... It's like us under Julio, Chief. Yeah, exactly. And, and Rafa, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. 100%, 100%. You know, you're not next year. We'll push on. We've got the right. We were unlucky, but we just need one signing, and we'll be there. And maybe you know they they're thinking that maybe with 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 Sancho and they've got Varane as well. So and there's talk of another coming in potentially in 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 midfield. So um, they will want to push on, and I don't think they're ready either. I don't think I don't think they will be ready to push on. So I mean. A lot will depend, I suppose, on on whether or not City and, and Liverpool can set a blister in pace, and maybe Chelsea. Um, but because if they can, I mean, our our Andy was asking uh, in the in the chat about a hundred points and and stuff like that, and and I was saying I'm I'm not I'm not convinced that um, we'll see that necessarily again this season or or that soon, but. If um, if City and, and Liverpool set off at you know at nineteen twenty pace, then then that could happen because United could be out of it by Christmas, as you as you mentioned there. But if they if if it's a season a bit more a bit more like last one or the last one, uh, and it's a little bit more even for 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 a bit longer, then I, I don't know. I, I think he can. The failure to compete with City might might not be so stark, but uh, yeah, if if they fall behind us significantly again, um, that could be that could be something that that, that the fans turn on him for. Yeah, it's it's interesting that they look to me like a team. You talked about United's brand, and to me, they look like a team that their brand their brand or his brand is is nostalgia, and they're a team based on nostalgia and. It, given, given the way that Ferguson managed that side, he, by all accounts, he had a lot of coaches doing a lot of work, and I'd be interested to know how much influence Solskjaer has on that sort of thing, how many coaches that he has doing extra work for him, and what quality those coaches are, because I think we all we all know that Ferguson has high, high-end quality coaches in, 
Um, so Dave, Dave, do you know what's interesting though? You you made a point. You both mentioned like Hule and Benitez, and it's something I've sort of. It's been a a joke with a jab almost I've had with with Man United fans over the last couple of years. Is I do see a lot of parallels with them and the way we were. <laughs> you know, you've got that blinkered view of you, you always accentuate the positive, and it's quite easy to accentuate the positive with Solskjaer if you're a United fan. You know, he came in, things were really bad under Mourinho. The club was fractured; big players were falling out with him, hated him. He came along, steadied the ship. They had that, you know, the the big Paris Saint Germain. They had that good running in Europe, and then, you know, in the league. They've, they've, they've made progress. They've had some really good streaks of away form, as you say. You mentioned 13 wins. and Yeah, you're right. That, that, that was well remembered, that, that sort of win at Palace. And there's a lot of evidence, if you were a United fan and really looking on the optimistic side with Solskjaer, that you could point to. And you could talk about finishing second, finishing above Liverpool, finishing above Klopp. Um, and it is a little bit, it does remind me a wee bit of us in that you do become a wee bit myopic and one-eyed about things where you, where, you, where, you know, you only sort of, you block out everything else. And Taking a step back, there was probably people looking and going, you're not going to kick on. That's as good as that style you play with Hule is going to get. You know, you're not going to keep grinding out those one nils. You can't keep relying on Michael Owen and Stephen Gerrard just to win your games. one nil teams will change and adapt. And probably a wee bit of that with United and that I have a feeling that last season, pandemic, the fact that Chelsea were in a bit of upheaval early on, sacked their manager, the fact that Liverpool had just bananas injuries. United sort of capitalised and finished second. But I, I don't think... Totally. I don't think, I don't think they're the second best team in England. I don't think at all that they're any threat to winning the league, despite the signings they've made. And But it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And I believe they have a manager that's just inherently flawed compared to the managers he's up against. Um, so it is, it's an interesting one. I, I just think United this season is interesting. Their, their expectations are sky high. Um, I think there are some fans that are realistic about Solskjaer, but you know, they've brought in, they've always said they needed a, 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 you know, a, a real good centre-back. Varane is really top drawer. Um, and it's a funny one. It's almost like the excuses are not really there. They've spent, they've really backed them. And if it doesn't go as planned and they have a few stodgy results at home, you know, you could see it derailing as quickly as, you know, United are one of those clubs, aren't they? They get in a bit of a roll, get a bit of momentum. It could be dangerous. But, uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned Liverpool. There is a little bit. I see parallels in, in that and then the way that they're, you know, that, that they've, they've been going. A hundred percent in a way. Like, they're, they're, in, they're, they're in the midst of their cycle. I mean, it's been a decade Hasn't it been a decade since they won the league? Nearly, um, yeah. Well, twenty three, wasn't it? Two thousand thirteen, they won it. So not far uh, off. So, so, so almost a decade. Eight, eight full seasons, I think. Um, mm. And that's it. That's getting on a long, a long time now. Um, and it, and it keeps going kind of year. And they've they've had their they've had various points and parallels between us over the years and. Um, with their ownership and with the managers and with in 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 terms of their bringing back a bringing back a a legend and and that kind of a way, but they're they're still miles away, I think, in terms of 
who they have behind the scenes, who they have work at board level, even the owners, all that. that they're miles off becoming a a club that can really challenge, really challenge for sustainable honours again. Um, and I think you're right in what you said about capitalising on, on circumstance because second to second, you know, it doesn't lie the table, but the points show you that they're not, they're, they got second on a points total, which would have been lucky to get you fourth in, in the last few yeah. seasons. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting one on on United. Um, I think the other thing is that, for me, the ownership. I think if you look at Liverpool, City, and, and Chelsea, they've gone. They have ownership that their objective is to win, and I'm not sure that United have that at boardroom level. Their objective is not necessarily to win, but you know, just trying to move it onto onto our next. The next side, who I think are probably more equipped both on and off the pitch, um, are Chelsea. And Abramovich has shown that he's prepared over the years to make really ruthless decisions with regards to managerial changes, to absolutely back his manager and pump money into the into the club. Um, they have some doll who does all their business, their version of Michael Edwards, some person called Marina, somebody, I think, Um and Johnny, you know, Tuchel's had a half a season there where he's, he's got them into the Champions League. He's went and won the Champions League. It hasn't necessarily been pretty, but he's been given a set of tools to work with. And the football they played was as far removed from the football that Frank Lampard was playing as you could possibly imagine. But the fact mm. of the matter was that he was given a set of players there and there was a lot of attacking players that didn't see a lot of minutes. Ziyech didn't see a lot of minutes. Pulisic didn't see a lot of minutes. Tammy Abraham might as well have been like <laughs> a, vend, a vending machine uh, outside the changing room for all the Tuchel care. But he managed to find something that got results, got them where they needed to be, and ultimately came away with the biggest prize in European football at the end of the season. And with the sending of Lukaku... They, you've got to say that this could be the first season in a while that might be a three-horse race. Yeah, I agree. I mean, first of all, I think when you when you talk about um, Chelsea, it's a really unique model, Chelsea. I mean, they're, they're the complete antithesis of sort of even City, even though there's parallels with City and that it's, you know, crazy oil money that's brought them from obscurity to the top table um there's they're they're very very different setup as a club to to liverpool and and man city which which is all about stability and long-term planning you have to admire chelsea and that uh well i don't know if admire is the right word but it's moving bust isn't it it really is they literally just it's not going their way. There is no such thing with Abramovich as long-term patience. He just literally pulls the trigger. See ya. He looks, him or his people look around Europe for who is the bright young thing or who's, you know, who's the manager that's maybe done something recently that we think could come in and do a job. <laughs> you know, if you think about like Villas Boas, Hedink, <laughs> you know, Avram, Conte, Scolari, it's mental. Um, but the one thing that 
is amazing with Chelsea is if you actually probably since Jose Mourinho came in there, if you actually look at their trophies from 2004 to, if you actually look at the seasons over the last 17 years since he came there and look how many seasons they've actually ended up with a pot of some description, it's insane. I mean, they literally, they're perennially in the silverware um, in some way, shape or form. You know, whether it's Europa Leagues or FA Cups or you know, they've just been in the shakeup for silverware so, so often. So Rafa, Rafa dandered in under the, more abuse than I've seen any manager at a football club ever get and just wins in the Europa League. Um, yeah. And the yeah. same is, the same is, uh, what's his name? Sarri? People yeah. couldn't stand him. Couldn't stand yeah. Jorginho. It was like, Do you know what, I'll just win the Europa League and, and smoke a big cigar at the end of it and dedicate it to, to Napoli. Great. Yeah, it it really was. You know, they, they have such a unique, it's mad. They just go and it's boom and bust and they, it's a hire and fire culture, but it seems to work for them. It seems to keep the players that are there on their toes. But you're quite right. I mean, they brought in Tuchel, who was, you know, we all had our laugh about Lampard. You know, it's a typical English sort of Scotty Parker, Frank Lampard, the boys club of, you know, just through, and weird, through. very, and as you were saying there, Johnny, very strange because very, very on Chelsea that signing wasn't it? Very, that appointment. very, very on Chelsea, and they'll not be making that mistake <laughs> again. I think it's fair to say, you know, it was a very, you know, this is this, you know, because of your family name and the way you come across in the media or whatever. You know, Lampard got that job. He never ever should have been given that job. He didn't do anything at Derby with a really good structure and setup and money behind him at Derby to justify that job. and um, But that's a whole other debate about opportunities in the game for <laughs> coaches and some coaches like Jurgen Klopp who've had to literally muddy their way, you know, work their way up from the rock bottom and make a name for um, themselves. Sure. for that matter. Absolutely, absolutely. So, no, you're quite right, Dave. It's it's There is a chance that this season... We could see, a, you know, it's a very rare thing to have a three-way title race, let's be honest. It's very, very rare to get down to the last, can't even remember the last time really there was a three-way title race. You know, down to the last month, there's always two. But you get the feeling that if it's if it could happen, it could be Liverpool and Chelsea trying to put a bit of pressure this season. Liverpool obviously with the players back. Um, and we're all quite optimistic about that, but you're right. He's he's an elite coach. He's infinitely better at organising the defence than Lampard. He's infinitely better tactically. He's got the best out of them and a system. They seem to have developed a really good, effective way of playing, especially against Man City. You mentioned pre-pod. They beat them three times. And then the one question mark with Chelsea, and again, you go on social media and you, or you talk to Chelsea fans and the one thing they all lament is, you know, Werner came in, didn't do it. It just didn't click for him, didn't work for him. He missed opportunities in early games, never got going. They need a goal scorer. They need this, this, you know, they need that focal point um, for their attack. And they're getting Lukaku, who is, you know, some people call him a flat track bully. Um, but he is goals. He is goals, goals, goals. He knows where the net is. He's greedy. His movement's really good. He knows the Premier League. You don't have to worry about him physically. 
is is so strong. He could be he he could be a really really interesting um, addition for them. That could be something that could push them into contention. Contention just having a, a man like that, and you know you look at their squad. There's not many weaknesses. Alonso Chilwell options. You know, options at race, you know, Reese James obviously was a picket right back, but they've, you know, they have players that can fit in. I think midfield, we sort of talked about with, you know, they've they've got Mount, they've got Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante, Barkley, seems to be a bit on the fringes. People seem to think if Barkley could be sold, they would. Hudson Adoy, highly thought of. Drinkwater's there, hasn't really worked out, but you look at you know, Pulisic, Hazayek, Werner, um, Havertz. You know, Havertz. Geez, you forget about Havertz. You know, yeah, know. so you know, then you've got you know, obviously Lukaku to come in. Werner. There's there, there's just a lot. There's a lot to work with with the right coach. And yeah, I, I they're they're a dark horse. Um, I don't even know if it's fair to call them a dark horse. If they well, they're the European well, champions, Johnny. You know, so <laughs> they're the Champions League winners a... who've just who've just bought a 100 million pounds centre forward. So it's probably it's probably generous to say dark horse. Or of a uh, wild zebra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Tief, Tuchel, Tuchel is Tuchel is a really interesting character. You know it. it I think he comes through minds as well, doesn't he? Um, yep. Gets the Dortmund job. It all looks really good early on. I remember, for like one of one of the great away performances at Anfield is, although they lose the game, is certainly the first half and probably the first probably the first hour of his Dortmund side absolutely dismantling uh, Liverpool in, in the in the Europa League. And where they look absolutely phenomenal going forward. Um, they're incisive, the movements absolutely brilliant, the patterns of player, gorgeous. And he goes to PSG and you know, he, he wins he wins the league and he's got his issues with ownerships as he has done in the past. But he comes into Chelsea, as we said. The football's probably not what I certainly imagined it would be. It's defensively solid. It's not a great watch. Um, they go an unbelievable amount of games without conceding a goal, like nine games or something without conceding a goal in the league. I think he concedes maybe three goals in the league from he comes in. And as you said, pre-pods, you know, you think he's a very good manager who knows how to use the tools that he's given, but you would argue it's not his preferred style of play. And do you think that we might see a different Chelsea this season than that very pragmatic and structured team that we saw last last second half of last year, given that he's now had a pre-season, given that he's now had time to get to know the players and work with them, and he might have an element of time to actually embed his own coaching? Because as we know, given the frequency of games last year, plus the fact that they went to the FA Cup final and the Champions League final, he couldn't have had a lot of time on the actual training pitch with them. No, you're right. I mean, he, he, it was that thing of uh, the the analogy of, of building the plane while you're flying it. Um, I think for him last season he came in mid-season, sure, and and um, had to you know had to hit the ground running, and they did. And you know, the pragmatism is something that actually Tuchel is. Um, 
should be known for. I mean, he, I think he is known in 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 the UK or in 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 England because primarily for his Dortmund days. Actually, I think that's the style that we're we're sort of alluding to here. But he is he's quite a pragmatic coach in the sense of true pragmatism, as in he's 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 good at working with with what he's got and with the ethos of of kind of the players that um, that he finds himself with and the club that he's at. So, for example, at, at Dortmund, you saw quite a lot of, um, you know, uh, it, was, it was a variation on the club style, essentially. It, was a, it wasn't the same, um, but they played in, a, in there were traits that were similar, so, so the, the rapier kind of attacking uh, moves front to back within a few seconds, um, a few um passes as possible essentially just you know bang 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 goal that kind of um quick transitional defense to attack um i mean they were as you you mentioned you mentioned perfectly with the the game against us and Amphid, which ultimately they lost and you know that you know they displayed all all Dortmund traits that that night they were they were explosive they were um incisive but they were they were ultimately had a soft had a soft center and they and they collapsed. Um, but when he was at PSG, you know he had he had superstars, real real bona fide superstars, and you know there was a lot. He essentially um, what's the best way to describe it? He essentially, you know, allowed them to to kind of dictate the the style a little bit um there's only so much you can you can you can tell Neymar to, to do essentially and he was quite keen to to be liked by it's funny that you say that Steve because there's a misconception that Tuchel doesn't get on with his players but I don't think not, that doesn't that seems to be the opposite doesn't it yeah it's, it's not the case he, he's very much uh it's us against them and I'm very much with my players and them can include owners, can include uh, senior management, uh, and certainly includes all other teams. Uh, but but us is very much him and his players. So um, it wasn't a surprise actually to see to see him tighten Chelsea up because I think he, he worked out pretty quickly that um, if they can keep clean sheets, they would they would pick up points, and so approved in 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 that league. Last year, and let's let's be fair. It was a complete before we sort of as we as we tend to do, and we will uh, in future when we look back, we'll we'll kind of forget just quite how messed up, fucked up, and disastrously different last season actually was. Um, the league was very very weak as a, as a result, and and what needed to be done was was consistency. Just put some points on the board, and the best way to do that was to was to make Chelsea hard to beat. And he had the players there to do it, uh, and he did it. And it, it'll be interesting to see what he makes of of this year. The sign of Lukaku, if and when it happens, I believe it is happening. There's a medical set, it seems, and a fee agreed and everything, hundred ninety seven and a half million pounds, I think. So that seems to be happening, and and that if you'd say they were maybe missing anything that. Potency in front of goal was was maybe it, um, and you would imagine with with the sign of Lukaku that problem is solved. Lukaku's obviously been back and forth at Chelsea, hasn't he? Because he was originally a Chelsea player, and and then I think was it Mourinho that brought him back? 
when Mourinho Mourinho's second time? I think he goes he goes to he goes to West Brom on loan. He's brought back and then he sold to Everton. Sold to Everton. Then he goes. Mourinho does Mourinho sign him at United? Mourinho signs him at United. I'm fairly sure and tries to put gets him to put I don't know four stone on and tries to turn him into DDA Drogba. Yeah, but when Mourinho was at Chelsea the second time, Lukaku, he wouldn't play Lukaku or something. Yeah, it was one of these ones that we always we used to label um, Mourinho with a while ago, where he sold all these players that are now amazing, the, yeah. the, like like De Bruyne, for De example. Yeah. Was the key one? Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of them. So I mean, if he's if if uh, Tuchel uses him in the, in the right way and it all clicks, then that could be the missing link of you know the final piece of the jigsaw kind of thing. But how often we've said it before, we said it before when we we're talking about United. There, how often do you think when you're a fan of a club that's that's done well and you're waiting for that next, and you think, okay, one signing and that could be it. Like this, this is this is going to be our year, and there's no guarantee that that it is going to work for him because. If Tuchel is looking for a player to, to play with his back to goal, the length to play, to, 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 to kind of bring in the likes of Havertz and, and Werner off the wings and stuff, that's not Lukaku's game, really, is it at all? We, we were discussing that before, pre-pod. So yeah. He's going to have to use him in the right way, and that is to set him free, you know, put him in. You know, you want Lukaku bearing down on goal, you know, running through. That's his game. And He's not really had a player like you've described there before, though Tuchel has he a, a, a proper a proper hold up player, a proper centre forward that will hold the ball up and bring other players into play. Uh, not so much, I guess. Not so much. Um, so you're right. If he uses Lukaku in the right way, that you know, that's. It could that be really adds. You say another another string to the bow, but that's a well, big, it's 20, it's a big fat string, isn't it? It's twenty league goals, isn't it? You'd, you'd say you would expect so. Yeah. So if if that happens, then you know. But and if if it is just kind of seamless, and he just he adds those twenty league goals and all the other bits of Chelsea, which were functioning well, continue to function to the same capacity, then then they'll obviously be uh, much better off this season than they were last season and, and they'll be a threat but you know there is no guarantee and it is now Tuchel's first full season proper and after delivering in so much in such a short space of time or so much so quickly the pressure is going to be on especially with that 100 million investment in in Lukaku to be the missing link and and Roman's going to expect um, a spirited defence of that Champions League and a real push at the Premier League title, i.e. he's going to expect that that Lukaku signing pushes Chelsea into the bracket of not just beating uh, Man City in one-off games, but actually challenging them and, and hopefully us for the for the title, as you say, to make it a bona fide three-horse race. And if that doesn't happen, pre- pressure will come on and we know that Tuchel falls out with owners pretty quickly and, and Roman's pretty easy to fall out with. So it's not necessarily going to be going to be all roses or better roses, but the Lukaku signing and what we've seen in the, well, since January, since he came in, uh, suggests that they will be better next season again than, than they were last season. So they should be in the shakeup. Yeah. Um, 
Johnny, Chief rightly says there, there's, there's pressure on Tuchel, there's pressure on Chelsea after their achievements last season. Talked about the pressure that's on Solskjaer and United after the money that they spent. There's always going to be pressure on Guardiola, um, Champions League, given the stigma that's now seen to be attached to that and the fact that they have spent $100 million on Jack Grealish and are, you know, it's you've got to concede that there is a distinct possibility they're going to spend $150 million potentially on Harry Kane. Where there doesn't seem to be any pressure or any sort of chat at all is, is the Reds. Um, people seem to have forgotten why we ended up in the position that we ended up last season, even though we still finished third. Um, and there's a lot of rights have been wronged from last season for a number of different reasons. Um, there's returning from injury. Um, we've signed a, a absolute monster of a centre half and we look like we've had the pre-season that we want is certainly the pre-season that Klopp wants without the stupid travelling to ridiculous areas of the, the planet and yeah. it looks like we might have a little star in, in the middle of the park that might just feature more than anybody anticipated that he would this year yeah I think Liverpool's a funny one because there's a lot of people for some reason and, and it's probably just they hate Liverpool <laughs> that were quite keen to write off last season or not write it off but criticise last season on the basis of oh, you know, bad champions um, like Roy Keane laughably came out with and you know as if it was anything other than unprecedented injuries um, which which I find mind-boggling. I mean literally by January we'd lost all of our first choice, our first three choice centre-backs. Then we had Fabinho and Henderson injured. We literally lost all the centre-backs and then we lost the midfielders that we've been putting back to cover for them. So a lot of people seem to have short memories and seem to think that having confidence that this team could bounce back this season of a title challenge is far-fetched when actually, to me, it's absolute logic. This is a team that got 97 and 99 points. Bar Gini Wijnaldum going, it's essentially the same team. Um, albeit, you know, they're, they're a wee bit older, but, but in their peak years. So, yeah, we, we've gone under the radar a wee bit and pre-season's gone well. As you say, we haven't had any mad trips to the, you know, far flung like China and Australia and thing or America. Obviously, with everything that's going on with COVID, and but it is a funny one. I know you're you're talking about Harvey Elliott, and he looks, you know, he he really does look the business. But I'm not going. <laughs> as I said before the pod, I wouldn't be surprised if on the last day of the window. <laughs> We find out Harvey Elliott's gone out on loan. It's just one of them things. You know, you sometimes see a player in preseason and think there's big hopes for this boy, and then it's just they they, they put him out for another year for his development. You know, you guys mentioned he, he could end up in Germany. We'll see um, if Klopp really thinks he's the real deal um, and thinks he can do a job this season. It would surprise me because he's usually quite 
you know, conservative clap in that way. And you would have thought that Curtis Jones would be ahead of him in the pecking order, seeing as he's been a real big player in, 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 in games coming in at that age. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's we've gone under the radar a wee bit. We've signed a really big, strong centre-back. The other guys all look fit. Um, we've lost Robertson, but it doesn't seem as bad as feared. Might actually do him no harm. He can get a bit of a break, which he needs. He's played loads of football. Simicass has looked brilliant in pre-season, got another assist tonight, and by all accounts was really good. Oxley-Chamberlain, by all accounts, Minamino were really good. So, yeah, we've gone under the radar, and I'm quite quite happy about that. I'm quite happy to see people forget this is a team that got 97 and 99 points, and basically we're competing for everything. And we've got the right manager to steer us back on course this season. Um, but it's not going to be easy, because... We've got that lot, <laughs> City with Guardiola and Infinite Cash and maybe Harry Kane to come. Um, still put our first 11 up against any of them. Um, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I know you guys are as well. Yeah, Chief, it's, there, there are loads of reasons to be optimistic. Um, we have a pile of players back from last season. Uh, and one player Johnny didn't mention that we didn't see the best off last season was out for a considerable length of time and really least could afford it um, is Thiago. And, you know, people seem to forget that because he played a number of games at the end of the season, he started well, but then he kind of dipped in and out. It took him a while to get his, it took him a fair while to get his kind of form back. Um, But for me, this is a player that people are actually, well, certainly non-Liverpool fans and players that, well, people who talk, do you know these people who talk about the Premier League that don't really know a lot of other, I said the Premier League top four that you put in TV and on the radio and shit like that. They're probably going to wake up to this guy this season, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. He's, um, he arrived and, 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 Shit just went bad, really, didn't it? I mean, yeah. he got injured in, in pretty much his first appearance. He was put out for three months. He came back. When he came back, the rest of the team all were all out injured. Um, and then he's thrown in. He's he's having to play every game. He's having to play 90s. He's, he's doing a lot of chasing. He's throwing in a lot of tackles. And finally, towards the end of the season, when things begin to get a little bit more settled we opt for a for a for a settled back uh well center back partnership um, and we get Fabinho in the midfield beside him Fabinho back in the midfield sitting and Thiago then gets to start pulling the strings as was meant to, to happen all along so listen this this year for for Thiago is going to be should be huge and I think it's going to be He's going to be playing alongside uh, the best number six in, in the Premier League or in front of maybe the best number six in the, in the Premier League, potentially alongside uh, Naby Keita, Jordan Henderson, uh, fitness permitting. Um, if they can stay fit for those four midfielders can stay fit for uh, you know, 75, 80% of the season, 
it's a completely it's a completely different uh, ball game from from last year. If you've got them sitting in front of Konate and and Van Dijk or or Matip and Van Dijk or even Gomez and Van Dijk or whoever you want to pick from that, even Konate and Gomez, you know you roll the dice on them. They're four tremendous centre backs in front of Alison Becker. And then you've got the front three, well, in Jota included there, a front four. And you're looking at potentially adding maybe one, maybe two first-team players to that before the end of the window. Um, it's a very, 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 very strong outfit. And, of course, as Johnny was saying, we are going under the radar because people do have short memories. It's the nature of the beast nowadays. We've got so, – we're – bombarded with so much information and, and so much media, whether it's through television, uh, smartphones, your laptop, whatever it is, we're constantly bombarded. So we do forget shit, and we forget shit after five minutes. And the reality is people aren't thinking about Liverpool because in their eyes we were a bit shit last year. And the extenuating circumstances matter to us because we're Liverpool fans, but... Non Liverpool fans forget that and it gets kind of blended into yeah, yeah, excuses, everyone has injuries, whatever, use were shit. So we are under the radar this, this season and you know, Thiago, Johnny mentioned that we're we're Jeannie Wijnaldum with we're, we're minus Jeannie Wijnaldum from the team that got ninety seven and ninety nine points and, and that's absolutely true. But we're we're plus one Thiago from from that side. Um so it's not a bad it's not a bad swap. Um so we're gonna be we're gonna be absolutely there and thereabouts and I imagine it's gonna be a, a big, big season for Thiago. Um I can't wait. I really I honestly can't wait. I'm so looking forward to, to proper football with, with with full stadiums and the Reds being back and actually it being the Reds, the lads, you know, the lads you recognise and you know and, and like Fair play to, to everyone that had to stand in and all the jobs that had to be done, but it's going to be good to see the likes of Virgil and, and Joel and, and Fabinho and Henderson all lining up uh, in the red shirt again. And I think, yeah, I think it's going to be some season. Yeah, Johnny, there are, there are a lot of players that, we didn't get to see last season for a variety of different reasons. Either they didn't play for us or they couldn't walk. And is there someone that <laughs> is there is there someone that you're really excited about maybe seeing this season? Um, I know we've mentioned Thiago there. Elliot's looked by all accounts just absolutely ridiculous for his age. And you've also yeah. got you've got what looks like an Abikaida that can oh, break. Don't say it. Don't I know, say it. I know, I know. Listen, we've been scored in the past, and I know, but you know, is there is there someone that you just are looking at in this season and thinking this is what's going this is what's going to get me to turn the TV on? <laughs> well, I'm ready to get hurt again with Naby. You know, we we reach the cycle, don't we? Um, every every preseason. Um, yeah. I can't say this enough. I, I think if that boy could just stay fit, he has everything. He can pick a pass. He can dribble. He, 
he's got great, great vision on him. Um, and then he's got an eye for goal. Keita, it's it's mad saying this about a player that's been here since what the eighteen. He's, he signed. Am I right in saying he signed three years ago? He signed that eighteen nineteen. Yeah, this is his, this is his fourth year at Liverpool, which sounds that doesn't even sound like it makes sense. And a sixty million pound player, and when he is on it, he looks every inch a sixty million pound player. Um, he's the one. He's. I'll actually tell you who I'm. We were talking about the injuries last season, and Thiago definitely. There's a load of imbeciles out there that somehow can't see how good Thiago is. He, when we were the form team over the last ten games, he was pivotal to that. I mean, he stood up and he was just outstanding in so many games, and and he was playing a game that was alien to him as well. You know, playing at Bayern, he was just the conductor of the orchestra. You know, strolling around, picking the passes. He was really having to get about the pitch and do other people's jobs and get stuck in, and it, it'll probably be the making of him. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him, but but a player who I think really cost us momentum. Obviously, we lost the centre backs. That goes without saying. Love seeing all those guys back. Jota last season, that Michelin injury that he got on his knee, put him out for three months. I think he can't overstate how bad that was. For us, just at a point where there was a lot of games and he was on fire and he was just giving us that. He just allowed us to rotate the front three. You could put him in one week and take someone else out. You could take another player out, you know, having four for three. You could give, give, keep everyone fresh and he was banging goals in. He looks really, really sharp in preseason and I think Jada's going to put in some really, really good numbers this season. I do. I just have a feeling about Jada. I think he's he's settled in. He's ready to go, and especially with the rest of the team fit, hopefully and strong behind him, we might really start to. You know, he could really, really kick on. Um, I still think he's he's excellent, and there's a lot more to come from him. So, yeah, he would be him and Keda. It's it's obvious sort of to say Keda, I suppose, because we're all hoping and Harvey Elliott if he doesn't go out on loan. <laughs> could be good as well if we don't send him off to the Bundesliga or something. But he, that kid definitely has something about him. He's he's got a style and swagger on the ball that both him and Curtis Jones and Fairness that belies their years. So they're, they're they're huge prospects, huge prospects. So yeah, it's all very exciting, Dave. I, mean, I can't wait for Norwich. I can't wait to get underway and hopefully see us banging on the goals. All right, then, so just to finish us off, Chief, what's your top four in order and what number of points do you think it will take to win the Premier League this season? Well, top four, I'll go Liverpool, City, Chelsea, United. And oh, how cliche! Yeah, well, what I mean, it's 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 just how I see it essentially. Like, um, it's ever if, if there was ever a man you knew that was that was a gambler, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna say it's gonna take 95 points to win the league. All right, 95 points. Um, Higher than I think it will be, but 
Well, we'll find out. Johnny, where are you top four and what, how many points do you think it will take? And I bear in mind, I feel like I feel like how many points, when you ask the question of how many points you think it will take to win the league, people automatically think of how many points will the winner win the league with, where I'm kind of looking at what's one more point than second. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you want to revise your number based on that, Chief? Well, I suppose. I mean, I think second, second place would probably be Around about sort of at the late eighties, so maybe maybe you'd need eighty-eight to win the league. Yeah. To get one more than second. Yeah. Interesting. So Johnny. Um. Fuck, that's such a hard question. It's just this thinking about the pandemic season and. I know it should be a bit more normal this season. Um, there was a bit of a drop-off last season. I would probably be in the chief But I mean, I think the top four will be City, Liverpool, um, Chelsea, United. I'm actually going to caveat that cowardly um, thing on a Liverpool podcast of saying Liverpool will be second. The only the, the the big misgiving I have is we've had so many big you know Van Dyke, Madup Gomez, big big injuries and Thiago Henderson, Fabinho injuries injuries injuries. The only niggle, the only worry I have, I'm sort of hedging my bets there is like will they all be robust and you know I know Liverpool have got in a specialist to deal with injury recovery and all that um that's my only fear is that we lose sort of key personnel and that's where city obviously just have that freaking depth that you can't compete with no one can compete with the wages and depth of squad they have so i think if everyone stays fit and we have a relatively injury free season i think we'll win it but I'm going to hedge my bets and just logic this type of the way it is. I'm going to say City, and I'm going to say that probably mm, hard to know. I'm going to I'm going to probably say it's going to take 80, 88 points. Yeah, eighty-eight points to win the to win the league. I think I I, I could see Liverpool and City having really strong seasons. And I was just looking at the fixtures, and the interesting thing is we're talking about Chelsea. Chelsea's first five or six is really, really It's a horrible start, don't they? They've a horrible yeah, start. Yeah, they, they've got the easiest home game. I think Palace will really struggle under Vieira. Uh, I just think, Christ, the upheaval of Palace is, is, is crazy. They've got Palace at home. I'd expect them to probably batter them at home. But then they've got they've got everyone, don't they? They've got Liverpool, they've got City, Villa, um Arsenal, I think they've got like a re- really uh, Tottenham. I think they've got like literally five them really tough games. So how they come out of that, you know, after uh, after that first half a dozen games, if they've had a good start and won four and drew two or something like that, you know, you could really see them kick, kicking on. Um, I think that the points total need to be need to be higher this season for 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 sure. And I think Liverpool and City could set a hot pace again, but yeah. 
that's what I'll say. I'll say eighty-eight, and I'll say Sunday to win it. Liverpool second. If we stay injury-free, and give us a puncher's chance. All right. So optimism and semi-optimism here um, this this week. So yeah, I'll take a seventy-five percent chance according to these two lads that we're going to win the league. What, what, what have you? What, what's your view, Dave? Uh, well, I did this on the last pod, but I, I haven't. I haven't heard. Tell me what it was. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. I don't even remember. I think I went. I don't know if I said. I'm. Th- I'm. Th- I'm going to go Liverpool, Chelsea, City. Oh, City to be third. Yeah, I'm going to Liverpool, Chelsea, City, and I'm going to just have an old blast at Leicester for fourth. Because I'm still being one of those people that's digging their heels in with their opinion on something three years later, even though all the evidence would suggest that you're absolutely wrong. With United like being being, Harry Kane. Yeah, <laughs> we, just with United being pissed, just basically, you know. So, so yeah, like being with Harry Kane, yeah, I know. It's mad. Sure, you, if you think that will be the top four in that order, you should put a bet on. I, I think you could get a substantial amount of money for that. Yeah, well, I probably will just do that now that you said that. Um, I do tend to talk myself into these things, like Chief knew with me back in Sweden to get to the final of the Euros. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll go with that, I think. I think I said 90 points to win the league. I think 90 would do it. Um, but, okay. yeah, we'll see. Okay, all right, so... Um, Thanks for sticking with us. We will see you all. I suppose maybe just be- maybe before maybe before Norwich, or if we do some kind of mad transfer shit like we did with Thiago last year, we'll come and speak to you because we're we'll, we'll be dead excited about it. Because let's be honest, I know we talk about how transfers aren't really massively important when you've got a squad like ours and they're not the be all and end all, but new shiny things are loads of fun. So hopefully we will have one of those pods for you. And um, until next time, up the Johnny thinks we might win the league if we don't have any injuries yet. Yeah.